It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Reds lost 100 games in 2022, and son of Bob, Phil Castellini, alienated most of the Cincinnati fan base when he asked us, where were we going to go? Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 joins me to discuss what the Castellinis can do to repair their image and that of the team as well. We've got that and a whole lot more with Mo Egger on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Locked On Reds podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for always making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. I am Jeff Carr, and alongside me is Steve Offenbaker. Steve gets the chance. He's going to sit down with radio legend, although I don't know if he'd want us to call him that. Here in the city of Cincinnati, Mo Egger joins the show. He's been on multiple times, getting the chance to talk with me. He's talked with Steve back in the Reds Alert days. He's talked with us as well before. You might remember the live show we had at Fretboard last year. And he is on to talk with Steve. We are going to look at the offseason. We're going to look at what the Reds can do this offseason. We're going to start by looking at uh, what, if anything, the Castellinis can do to repair their relationship with this Reds fan base. So let's jump right in. All right. I am super excited about the guest we're bringing you today. Uh, he's been uh, a true supporter and a, a true friend to me as I have ventured into the podcasting world several years ago. Uh, always been willing to come on and talk. Always been uh, very supportive. Uh, he is uh, an expert on Cincinnati sports. In fact, my card here says he's a premier sports voice in local radio. He is the one and only Mo Edgar from ESPN 1530, 700 WLW, iHeart Mo, how are you, my friend? An expert on Cincinnati sports. You're, that's what we're going with? That's, that's Hey, listen, that's I am trying to talk you sure. up, man. I've got to get downloads going here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to work, but uh, I'll, I'll take it nonetheless. Well, I, I really uh, do appreciate you being here, and and we're gonna we're gonna wander through a lot of topics today. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them relate to the Reds, some of them will not. And I'm gonna start with one that does not relate to the Reds per se, but more mm-hmm. to you because this year you uh, made your own venture into the world of uh, podcasting and uh, uh, your personal podcast. I know you've done podcasts for the station and for your show, but you started up uh, and, and your creative team. I'll tell you what, there was something else with the naming of this podcast of the Mo Egger podcast. I mean, I don't know how many, how many meetings and, and test groups did you have to sit through just to get to the name? Uh, you know what? It's funny. Um, I'm doing the podcast. Th- this whole thing was the, uh, the idea. It wasn't even really the idea. My, my former producer, uh, one of my former producers, my first ever like full-time producer, Mark Shalafu, who's a, a successful, very successful stand-up comedian. He and I were at a Reds game in the summer of 2021. And he said to me, are you doing a podcast? And I said, well, they podcast the radio show. And he goes, no, are you doing a podcast? And I said, no. And that 
that launched us into this long drawn out process where we ultimately started a podcast and we were sitting at breakfast one day, kind of kicking around ideas. What was it going to be like? Who did we want to talk to? Did we want to break it into seasons? That sort of thing. And finally he said to me, what do you want to call it? And I said, well, you know, the funny thing about our radio show is we, the inside joke has been for 15 years. Our, our radio show has had no name. Because if you look at sports talk radio around the country, there's a whole lot of like they're they're in the zone or it's it's the clubhouse, and we've never done that. We've I I hate that crap. So I'm like, look, I'm going to apply the same thing to the podcast. We're not going to be clever. Let's just call it what it is, the Mo Egger podcast. And so there it is. Well, there it is. And, you know, you came out hot. You had a very uh, interesting guest list. Uh, you opened strong with Doc. Uh, you had my buddy Cam on. I love Cam Miller. Uh, it was great for him to have an opportunity to have an extended talk and, and some more exposure because the work he does, I think, is amazing, especially with the Reds Hall of Fame. Mm. But how, talk me through your process of, of who you're going to go out and get and talk to and, and what you want to bring to the people. Well, the, the the thing that I one thing that I love doing that radio doesn't always lend itself to, at least in this day and age, is long form sit down conversations. You know, in radio, which is my first love and always will be my first love, um, you know, the, the segments are eight minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes. And, and as a general rule, with a few exceptions, you're sort of encouraged you're sort of encouraged to kind of keep conversations with guests to 8 to 10 minutes and let's face it it's usually on my show at least the conversations we have with guests are not really about the guest they're about their expertise in a certain field their background their insight their their knowledge of a certain field um but but what i really like doing is is finding out about people. I, I enjoy interviewing folks. I enjoy sitting down with no time restriction, no time limit, um, minimal interruptions. And, and you find out about the person, but, but also you could do a little bit of a deeper dive into things that they know a lot about. So I've, 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 I've thought for a while that if I could do something that involves conversations with people who I think are interesting, and, and I'll be honest with you, uh, as this thing unfolds and, and we're on hiatus right now because I just simply during football season don't have <laughs> time to devote to a weekly podcast. Um, but as, as this continues, you know, I, I think over the first seven or eight that we did, whatever the number is, for the most part, we, we talked with people who are reasonably well known. You know, uh, most of those folks are in the public sphere. But moving forward, you know, they, they don't have to be with folks who have a degree of, of, of notoriety. It's up to me to uh, tell the audience why I think this person is interesting and why a conversation with this person is worth listening to. And so that's, that's something that you really can't do on radio. And so that's, that's kind of what I wanted to do in terms of um, who we chose to get on. I, I applied some of the same thought process that I do, that I do to our radio show. I have people on my radio show that I have good chemistry with. Uh, now obviously, they've got to bring something to the table, but th the folks that we have on a weekly basis or on a recurring basis, for me, th they're folks that I just I feel like I have a good rapport with. 
uh, that I feel like somebody tuning in midway through is going to be like, these guys sound like they're having a blast. That's always been the most important thing to me. I, I, I don't, I don't, I care less about your knowledge of a topic. I can find out where your strengths are as a guest. I'm looking for chemistry. And so the same thing uh, with the podcast, I, I wanted people that I felt like I could sit down across from. And some of the folks that I talked with, I know well. Some, you know, I, I don't know Anjanette Levy. I had her on the podcast. She was our second guest. She was unbelievable. I had met her one time. But but somebody that I felt like, you know what, we'll be comfortable with each other. And, you know, she'll be comfortable answering questions about, her career and the things that she's covering. She works for Law and Crime Network. So to me, it's it was about, you know, I, I want folks to listen to two people who really sound like they're enjoying each other's company. I want it to be a conversation more than a Q&A. And I feel like sure. we accomplished that. Um, and so I I, I hope it, it keeps going. It, it, it was regardless of how many people listen to it. And I, I honestly couldn't tell you how many people listen to it. I had fun doing it. And at the end of the day, that's that's all I really care about. Well, it seems to have been very well received. All of the feedback I saw, and I know I texted you after that first that first mm -hmm. episode dropped, and I'm sure you got lots of messages like that. You know, I think that there was plenty of room in the space for what it is you're trying to do. So I'm glad to have you doing it. And I wanted to talk about it right up front because a lot of times we do these things and we stick them on at the end, right? And <laughs> it feels almost like a an afterthought when we ask you about it. So I just wanted to talk about that right up top before we get into the Reds talk because I've been enjoying it, and and I and I hope that uh, this may help some other people find it and uh, and find you as well well we have a mark and i taped a season recap episode that uh we have yet to put up and and so this sort of reminds me that i need to do that and then hopefully we'll get to the first of the year and uh obviously i hope the football season goes on you know deep into 2023 but but this is and, and trust me this isn't a complaint uh, it, it just, it, it's a, it's a time of year in which I tend to be a little bit spread thin and spread thin doing things that I love. And so the idea was to kind of throw the podcast out there during the summer. And then hopefully we pick it back up, uh, sometime in January or February. And, and then, you know, maybe we'll sort of establish a regular pattern beyond that. But yeah, I appreciate you asking about it and, and, and the kind words it's been, it's been a lot of fun to to be a part of. And 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 the thing for me was I knew there was going to be some pushback when some of it, you know, we we launched it and I made a point of saying uh, well it it might not necessarily be sports. In fact, it's not going to be a sports podcast. There will be people who certainly have very very clear connections to sports, but there's also going to be some people who have nothing to do with sports. And I was afraid that would scare people away because I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, great, he's going to be talking about Trump or Biden. And trust me, we have no interest in doing that. Uh, <laughs> that will never happen. But so, but I, it, I felt like people gave some of the non-sports stuff a chance. And I certainly understand. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and some of the ones that I listen to on a regular basis as I'm going through my feed, I'll go not interested in that person, oh, but I am interested in that person. And so, um, hopefully over the course of time, we gather enough of an eclectic mix of guests that enough people can find folks that they like. And hopefully some of those folks will go, well, you know what? Uh, Mo's talked to enough interesting people that I liked. I don't know who this person is, but if Mo says they're interesting, I'll listen to a conversation with them. And, and maybe that happens and maybe not. E either way, I'm getting paid exactly the same. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. Steve's got a lot more with Mo coming up here in just a moment. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to let you know about Simply Safe. Look, the numbers, they just don't lie. 
In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect what they love. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 monitoring professionals who always have your back. And here's why I love it they send you the exact equipment that you need. There's no package that you have to go on some website and you say, okay, well, I can deal with this as long as I get this. You get exactly what you want. And when it shows up at your door delivered to you, you can set it up very easily. This isn't something that you've got to schedule a tech for. You got to wait for them to come out and hopefully your schedule matches up and th 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 there's no awkwardness there. You're able to install this simply safe home security system into your home. And by the way, it fits nicely into your home. It's not going to be something that is this unsightly box that's just in the middle of everything. And you're like, well, that was a nice wall. No, you don't have to worry about that. Simply safe fits very nice into your home. It's not bulky or it's not going to mess up your home's design. It can even move with you when you move. So if you change houses, you don't have to change security systems. You don't have to get a whole new thing. In fact, you can just remove the elements off the wall and bring them with you because they are easy on easy off type, uh, pieces of equipment. Simply safe is the way to go. When you're talking about the safety of your home, customize the perfect system for your home today in just a few minutes at simplysafecom slash locked on MLB. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan. Get your first month for free. All you have to do is visit simplysafe.com/slash locked on MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, let's jump back into Steve's conversation with Mo as we are looking at this Reds off season and uh, whew, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do? Well, listen, I know you, you, you hit on the politics there and, and, you know, let's let's move to something that's not controversial <laughs> at all. You know, let's talk about the Reds fans relationship with the ownership group. That is the next yeah. topic that I want to steer you towards because it felt a little bit different and I know that there's been a lot of disappointment with professional sports in this city over the years, uh, through the years of the bungles, through uh, the anger that was directed at the Brown family, through the disappointments with the Reds. But this year felt different, and I think it all goes back to the to the controversy and the storm that, that you facilitated in starting, which was <laughs> Phil Castellini's comments on opening day. And we're not going to rehash all those comments, Mo. Um, you and I did that at the beginning of the year. But that anger really never subsided and it feels different. You know, the people in this town, they'll be upset that the team didn't win. They'll be uh, a little hurt that it was another losing year. But this is the first time that I think there has been this level of, of anger specifically directed at the ownership group and a sustained anger that, that really didn't dip at all. So all that being said, what, if you were put in charge of image rehab for this ownership group and for this franchise, what would you do uh, outside of winning? Because that fixes everything. But outside of that, what would you do to start to try and bring some of those people that 
for years have come to the ballpark because they just like being at the ballpark, but they stopped this year because they were directly angry with the Castellinis. Um, boy, there's a lot there. I, I guess the first thing would be, I would, I would put Nick crawl through some intensive media savvy training. That sounds like a knock on Nick and it's not. I think Nick has shown some tendencies to suggest that he's a very competent baseball executive, but the reality is nobody wants to hear from Phil Castellini or Bob Castellini right now. People say they do. They really don't. It's like mm -hmm. people used to always say, well, you know, Mike Brown only talks once a year. That sucks. And then the one time a year he would talk, people would get mad. It's like, well, you really don't want to hear from him. Nobody wants to hear from Phil. Nobody wants to hear from Bob. Nick is not ownership. Uh, I think at times he really unfairly gets lumped into the conversation about ownership. Now, I certainly don't think Nick's done a perfect job, but I, I think operating within the confines of, of the mandate that he's been given by ownership, the maneuvers from a baseball perspective of the last uh, seven or eight months been pretty good. Um, Dick Williams was terrific at delivering a message and mm -hmm. uh, being articulate and relatable and, you know, going on shows and, and, and doing interviews and just doing a good job of communicating. This is what we're trying to do. Um, I think you got to get Nick crawl. If it's not Nick, I don't know who it is. So it has to be Nick. And so then you don't have somebody talking about the money they don't have or uh, why they can't win or using small market excuses. And even if he does go down that road, it's not somebody with ownership. So I, I legitimately would start there. Uh, and, and I would, I would just say to Nick on top of being the, the person in charge of executing what we want to accomplish, you're going to have to be the face and voice of what we're trying to accomplish because nobody wants to hear from Bob or Phil right now. And I, I frankly think that's probably really tough for, for Phil to kind of swallow because I think he's been looking forward to being the face of the Cincinnati Reds mm -hmm. and nobody wants him to do that. So I, I would start with that. And then honestly, and I know this will never happen. Open up the books. Mm. You know, I mean, th this has been a, a thing that a lot of people have said about a lot of baseball teams uh, across the country. Uh, it's, it is a privately owned business, but, it, but if, if you really, really want people to believe that from an economic standpoint, you're ill-equipped to win. When you bought this team, knowing it was a small market franchise, then I think you are going to have to uh, show and demonstrate a level of transparency that, that professional sports owners have historically been unwilling to demonstrate. And that is, here's our books. We can't and just fact, talk uh, about the Atlanta Braves are the only ones that do that. And only partially because they have some obligation to do so, but nobody else does that. Yeah. So, okay. Um, in the absence of that, I, I, I don't know what you expect people to do because the, the reality is uh, winning is still a ways away. Um, the last two years and Steve, you're right. You talked about this season, but, but I, I sensed it at the beginning of 2021. Right. And that was a really, it was a really interesting time as a Reds fan, but that was, it was a really interesting time for our show and just doing what I do for a living because, you know, 2020 came and went and, you know, it was very underwhelming, 
but it was really hard. I mean, look, I, I got into the 60 game drive through season and okay, you know, they made the playoffs and had they advanced, it would have been great. Had they won the world series, it would have been awesome, but mm-hmm. I mean, nobody really counts that year. Right. So no. the season ends the way it does. And then Dick Williams leaves. And I remember on my radio show going, I have a sense. This is the captain jumping off the ship before it hits the iceberg. And nobody wanted to hear that, but, but it's, it's just, it's what it felt like, right? Wait a minute. So he's, Mm -hmm. he's built this team that before the season, we were all excited about. They did make the playoffs. They played 60 games. Granted, it didn't go the way we would have hoped, but now this guy's bailing like not for another baseball gig, not, not to go run the Yankees, not to go run the Cardinals, but to, to go work for the family business. Like that's so to me, that was a moment that boy. Okay. This is about to change. And then it did, right? Rysel Iglesias has given away. Archie Bradley has given away. And you had sort of two sects of fans. You had the fans that were like, well, you know what? They still got Castellanos and Winker and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, yeah, okay. That team is probably still going to be pretty good. And then you had the folks that I think saw what was happening here. And those folks became the first collection of fans that I thought very loudly aimed their anger at ownership. Now, a lot of those other holdovers eventually joined them, but that off season, the 2021 baseball season was so interesting to me because that team they had on the field was fun. Pretty good. It went great, obviously, but it was fun and likable. I, I heard and used the word likable more than at any point in my life that year. Everybody liked the players. Mm -hmm. Everybody liked the fact the Reds were playing meaningful baseball, but they were rooting for that group almost in spite of ownership. That had never happened. And so we, if you were really paying attention and I know you were Steve, you could see what was next and what was next came right after the season ended, right? Barnhart's Mm -hmm. traded Wade Miley's given away. Um, and you know what, what really sort of made the whole thing weird was the lockout because, and, and I remember talking about this in March, I go, look, you know, they, they trade away Winker and they trade away Sonny Gray and they trade away Eugenio Suarez and, and the merits of those decisions from a pure baseball perspective, that's a different conversation than the direction ownership is taking the team in the short term. Right. And I remember saying at the time, like they're doing this in March because they couldn't do it in November. And I think it'd be fascinating to hear what the off season messaging would be had they kind of clean house and then the holidays are here and they have months to get you ready for the season. Instead, it was spring training starts, trade away the players, a couple of press conferences, opening day, three and 22 start all in this tiny amount of time. And so there was no room. There was, there was no room for anybody to really breathe. And there was just this series of events that, you know, culminated on opening day and resulted in, I think the loudest pushback against professional sports ownership, certainly since Mike Brown got in 2010 and in the late nineties. And I I think though, the difference is there's no real end in sight to how people feel about ownership, right? Mm -hmm. Like if the reds end up being really good in three years, I think people are going to say, what a great job by Nick Crawl. What a great job by the baseball development people. What a great job by the, the college scouting staff. They did it in spite of Bob and Phil. I, I, th- I think we're to the point of no return where it's going to be a very long time before people give ownership credit for anything. And the reality is they're paying for the lack of track record. 
that are paying for years of pleading. You know, th this is the part that I, I, I sometimes, I don't think some people understand. It's not necessarily what they're doing now. What they're doing now may work, but when you've been told to wait as long as Reds, Reds fans have been told to wait and you ask them for more time, eventually, I mean, in, in, in any situation, if, if somebody's been waiting forever, if you go to a restaurant and they tell you it's going to be an hour and an hour's come and gone and they go, what's well, going to be another 30 minutes? And then another 30 minutes has come and gone and they go, well, actually, it's going to be another 30 minutes. You're, you're going to leave and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what's happened with Reds fans, not just in terms of their attendance at the ballpark, but their level of interest in the team as well. So they're doing some things. There's some changes coming. Uh, we saw it on the football side in Cincinnati. Uh, Paul Brown, no more. Uh, it's Paycor Stadium. Uh, and I thought the Bengals did a fantastic job with their messaging surrounding that. Mike Brown comes out and says, uh, it is going to be expensive to keep our young core of talent together. And we need to do things that are going to generate revenue and help us keep this football team moving forward. I thought it was great messaging. So now we see something similar start to happen over at Great American Ballpark. And for the folks that were bent about it becoming a corporate-sponsored Paycor Stadium, you know, <laughs> Great American Ballpark has always been a corporate-sponsored stadium. It just happens to have one of the better corporate-sponsored names in professional sports. <laughs> it's Great American Insurance, folks. That's what the ballpark is named after. So let's, let's get that straight. But we hear this week that a sports book is coming to Great American Ballpark. And in a city where there is a lot of sensitivity surrounding the words baseball and gambling being combined in any sentence, uh, there was a lot of interesting reaction throughout uh, the, the, the fan world, at least, uh, when this announcement was made. That being said, hmm. do you feel like this is going to be something much like what Mike Brown said helps the team reinvest in itself. And are they going to actually go out and spend money and get guys? Uh, are they just gun shy to come out with that messaging because of the things you just talked about with Phil not being able to be the, the face of this team? What is your thought on these additional revenue streams and the, the messaging surrounding it and how they can best use it to bring the fans back and build a better product. Well, I, I, I hope people realize, and I, you know, I talked about this on my show since the end of the lockout, uh, MLB has locked into a, a streaming deal with Apple. They've locked into a streaming deal with Peacock. Uh, the players association has signed off on ads on uniforms and decals on helmets. And now individual teams in, in areas where sports wagering is legal are going to be allowed to strike uh, deals with betting companies that will allow people to bet in the stadium in a dedicated retail space. You'll always be able to do that on your app in the seat, regardless, <clears throat> as long as you're in an area where sports wagering is legal. Those are five revenue streams that did not exist. <clears throat> now, my understanding is the helmet decal money gets centralized. The uniform, uh, add money. Each team keeps uh, what they get, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know why the Reds and Pirates and Orioles and and Royals would agree to that because the Yankees are a lot more visible, and so they're going to get more money for their ad shoulder patch on uniform. But uh, whatever, that's a different thing. Uh, the, the bottom line, though, is this: those are five revenue streams, five sources of of income that didn't exist a year ago. Now, yeah, every team might get their 
one thirtieth share of the Apple money and of the Peacock money and uh, money like that. But, but still, that's that's coin coming in that wasn't there a year ago. And so this is not just a Reds thing, but this idea that these baseball teams are going broke. Well, again, since the lockout, which was the most pointless work stoppage maybe ever, teams, Agreed. the Reds here locally, five, here, hold it, five different revenue streams. I think the pushback on the gambling thing is is so minimal um, that I don't think there has to be a specific message, right? I think, honestly, if they didn't partner with a sports betting company and if they didn't turn the machine room into a sports book, I think they would have to explain that a lot more than explaining why they're doing it. And, and look, if you're hung up on the Pete Rose thing, I I don't know what to tell you, man. The, the rule that he broke then is still the rule now, and it it's that rule's always going to be in place, and it always should be in place. If if you don't understand that, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to explain it to you. Um, mm-hmm. There's no hypocrisy here. You and I now in the state of Ohio, when you come visit Steve, you and I are allowed to bet on Major League Baseball games. Tyler Stevenson will not be allowed to. David Bell will not be allowed to. Nick Crawl will not be allowed to. Phil Castellini will not be allowed to. That's always been the case. That's not changing. So the rule that Pete broke is still going to be a, a rule moving forward. I think once we move beyond that, I, I, I think everybody understands the Reds are a business. This is a business they can tap into. Now, the question then is going to become, if your revenues go up, is are you going to take that money and put it into the team? Time will tell. Um, I think it would be interesting if you know we get to the point where uh, Joey Votto's off the books and Mike Moustakis is off the books and there's not a lot of guys making a lot of money. Uh, all right, well, what are you going to do with payroll? Are you going to pay some of these guys? Are you going to get players from the outside? If the answer is no, well, what are you doing with the Apple money? What are you doing with the the uh, uniform patch money? What are you doing with the new gambling money? I think those are going to be fair questions. But I, I, in this day and age, with gambling as sort of socially acceptable as it is, I don't know that they have to deliver a message about partnering with a sports book and putting a sports book inside the ballpark. want to thank Mo for joining us and make sure that you join us for part two of Steve's conversation with Mo Egger. That's coming up tomorrow as they jump into whether or not this is going to be the last year that we see Joey Votto in a Reds uniform. I'm glad I kind of missed this part of the conversation because I'm not ready to talk about this yet, but they've got a great way of covering it. You're not going to miss it. That's on tomorrow's podcast. Now go make your second listen locked on MLB. As Sully has you covered throughout the playoffs with his unique perspective, and he's going to sprinkle in some humor there as well. That's locked on MLB, just like locked on Reds, free and available on all platforms. We are locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.